recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Rene Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Uh, pardon me for yawning. I'm just recovering from this weekend's fights. Yeah, the, the main event, right? <laughs> <laughs> Xanax. Mm. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's great to see you, buddy. And, uh, I, you know, um, the rest of the card, especially some of the prelim fights, but, but there was some really great stuff. It's just the, the main event did, you know, definitely did not deliver in a lot of ways. Now, one, the there was not a tremendous much of acting, uh, action, sorry. Um, but then also it was just not very interesting. It was a, a slugfest that could have happened, you know, 10 years ago. There's not, nothing, you know, uh, even off – Probably not ready for the prime time, you know, of a title <laughs> fight. But also, Dos Santos is a, is a fading champion, and he's—I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony, but he, you know, he's a hands guy, and he doesn't really mix up. Though he did show improve improved kicking. Like before, he wouldn't even kick, and now he threw some wheel kicks, some interesting things. So you know, definitely he he switched. He's training a lot with um, Rowan Carnero, who who I personally have a real love for because he uses the rack guard. Um, and you can see he's he's improving, um, but at the same time he's he's older, he doesn't have his hand speed as much, and he's not um, showing the same technical amazing performance in striking and the evolution that you see like like Chad Mendes. Did you see the Chad Mendes highlight? No. Oh my god, it was freaking amazing. So this is what MMA is. This is what it is. So he did. He was in orthodox stance. He switched to southpaw which means lefty for those guys not used to it. He switched south southpaw. Then from there, he made it look like he was going to do a shot, a takedown, and came up with the big overhand and just knocked the guy out. Mm-hmm. It was it was so perfectly evolved in different martial arts. So what the, sw- the switch stance is actually originally a Muay Thai move. Okay, so there's switch stance to kick. But instead of a switch stance to kick, he was looking, so he switched his stance to 45-degree angle. He was looking... You know, to to angle out, and that Team Alpha Male does that a lot. They have these angled out. T.J. Dillashaw does not Team Alpha Male anymore, but Cody Garbrandt. They do that forty five angling really well. I absolutely love their style. But instead of just sticking with Muay Thai with that angle change, he he mixes up the wrestling. And a lot of the Alpha Male fighters, and Dominic Cruz is not an Alpha Male fighter, but he does the same thing. He switches stance and hits takedowns. Um, he made it look like he was going to do a takedown. So there you have wrestling, mm-hmm. but he faked it. Came over with a big ha- overhand, like bazooka ha- haymaker, not a haymaker, overhand. Um, in this case, it was his the left, and knocked the guy out. And it was like in the span of one point two seconds, he drew on three martial arts. Mm-hmm. Not that Muay Thai doesn't overhand, but it was more like kind of like a boxing thing, you know. And um, Muay Thai wrestling boxing put together seamlessly, instantly, and boom, hit it. And then the finish was from the spiral position, which uh, is, you know, wrestling and jiu-jitsu. Again, it was just pop, 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 pop. And, um, and he did pass the guard too, so there was some jiu-jitsu on the bottom. Beautiful ground and pound. It was everything I like to see in an MMA match. Not, mm-hmm. not just because he won, but because he drew on so many martial arts and so technically and seamlessly, and it's mixed martial arts. Now, you know, it's like mixed martial arts is not a style. It's just a way of thinking about fighting. There's no like I am a black belt in mixed martial arts, you know. Although you know some people <laughs> some say that. there might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. you know, you know, that's the thing. That's the point. Is it? It's it is becoming kind of like its own style. I don't think it'd ever be like I'm a black belt in MMA, but um, 
I have my own fighting ranking in my fighting system, you know, a radical or a radical fighting system, which is very strongly based in a number of different martial arts, but it is with an MMA orientation. And Pat Militich was the first to say Militich, fight, Militich fighting systems. Um, uh, Jackson Wink, same thing. A long time he was having ranking in his fighting style, mm-hmm. which is an MMA orientation. So, hmm, you know, the way you approach boxing is not the way you're going to approach striking in, in MMA because obviously you can do different things. You can fake the, sh- the, the takedown. You can kick him in the leg and then punch him. You can – you know, sometimes grind your head against his head and hit an uppercut or neck like Damien Cormier is dirty boxing. You know, he can't hold the head and punch in boxing, mm-hmm. but that's totally legal. So striking, just the punching element is different from boxing. The kicking element can be very different. Right now, the um, the Janjira team, which is a Muay Thai team based out of Texas with Saxon Janjira, who is a, an amazing master. He's the coach of Ryan ben- Benoit. Uh, who's not up in the ranks really high in MMA right now, but he he's really good. He took a fight on like one day notice the other day a while ago and won. And and all of Jackson uh, Jinjir's guys are are really good, and they're adopting and and, and changing the way they do Muay Thai for for MMA. And I, I've been uh, honored to see some of their their changes. We did a seminar with him, and you can see some of the way they kick is very different from the way you kick in Thai boxing because it's like, look, it's a different sport. It's going to be different. And the same with jiu-jitsu. Um, so it's nice to see that hybrid that like, okay, I'm going to mix this, 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 and this. And that's exactly what the Junior Dos Santos fight was not. <laughs> it was yeah. like, okay, we're going to punch, punch each, each other, other in the face. Yeah. <laughs> punch each but other Chad in the Mendes face. Chad Mendes, he was away for a while. It took a long time off, like about a year almost. Yeah. yeah. Was that a violation? No. No, I, it was his injury, I believe. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think it was people violated. mixed up. Um, there was one guy on the on the fight card I know who um, had some issues. I forgot who it was, but it was for marijuana or something. But it wasn't it wasn't Chad Mendes. Um, yeah, I think it was like Saint I think it was George his cut. opponent, He's Miles Jury. Drugs. I think it was his opponent, Miles Jury, who got who, who was it? Miles Jury, someone like that. But they he got a little bit one thing for a no context for marijuana or something. Can you look it up? I think that's what it was. Let's see. Yeah. Just go on his fight record, and yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Miles Jury is no joke either. His his opponent is really really good, and um, and Mendez just out out techniqued him. It was just great. Um, now you saw you saw it was also a night of wrestlers. You saw Katzengano and um, Dennis Bermudez, and and just just hit some major slams and that was the the um way cat won her fight she just won with slams unfortunately dennis bermudez did not win although that was like a weird one because i a few people i knew scoring it um it was a tight fight um but they gave it to dennis bermudez and and but the in the uh, boise the the referees gave it to rick Glenn. it was it was tight um, that that's an interesting fight, you know. But uh, definitely, Dennis Bermudez he had a lot of takedowns and was really really good. Um, and then we had the Sage Northcutt fight, and you know, Sage is like this lightning rod for criticism because he's like, oh, he's a pretty boy and this and that. And I know you're not the biggest Sage fan, right? <laughs> I I'm, haven't been impressed with him so far. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And and you know, his debut fight was pretty good, um, but I think it was, you know, he's he was. One dimensional in that he was a striker and also not, you know, strike an outside striker, not an inside striker. He just didn't have a, a he was put in the, in the big leagues too, all, too, too quick, like even off, you know, just, just mm-hmm. you know, not ready for prime time. And, and that's, it's a shame. But you know what I think it is? It's like Sage is like the guy everybody likes to hate. 
because he's a good-looking guy. He he kind of looks like a pretty boy, and you're like, oh, that's the guy who got all the girls in high he's school. He's Justin Bieber of MMA. yes, exactly. And you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. But you know what? It doesn't seem like he's a bad guy. And you know what? I was also impressed for a lot of his time in in. Uh, the UFC, he was also at the same time a full-time student in Texas A&M University doing a degree in engineering. That is not easy. I mean, this guy's not no idiot. I respect that. And, and since he's taken a little break in his studies to focus. But, you know, um, give the guy a break. There are a lot of guys who aren't as good as him that no, don't get half the criticism. It's because he frosts his hair or something. You know, like, you know, it just he doesn't fit. You know, you want to see a guy with tattoos and, you know, you want everybody wants to see Brock Lesnar. They want to see Sage Northcutt, you know, with this frosted hair, you know. Um, but at the same time. He overcame a lot of adversity in this fight. And the guy fought. Zach Otto was awesome. I mean, until the end. He made some big mistake. But he cracked him, took him down, did a beautiful high-level jiu-jitsu pass, which we call the Leo Vera system. Leo Vera is an amazing jiu-jitsu uh, um, uh, coach. Um, he actually cornered Mackenzie Dern for her last fight. And, and his brother is now the jiu-jitsu coach at AKA, uh, Rico Aviera. And they have a, a unique way of passing, which is, you know, Amazing. BJ Penn used to use it. And he just went, boom, 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 used the Leo Vera pass to right to the mount. Yeah, he went, boom, 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 right, <laughs> okay. right. He just went right to the mount. And he just cracked him right to the mount. And then Sage was in trouble. I mean, he was in trouble. And, but he, he, he worked his way out. He worked his way out. Um, hit a Marcel team, a Marcel guillotine at the end of the mount and wound up, wound up at the end winning. And then Otto, Zach Otto, you could tell he blew his cardio. He just blew his cardio. He didn't pace himself because he thought he was going to finish it. And the second round, he comes out. And, you know, I always say the cardinal rule of MMA is when you get hit bad, when you get hit, don't get hit again. Don't get hit again. That's and my he, rule in yeah, life. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, but he didn't manage He was just coming forward. And he did a low John Smith ank single, which really is not the best move for MMA. And then he just... He just wound up eating hammer fists and he just died. And I was sad, but he'll he'll have a great career because this guy's pretty good. He showed some great technique. He just has to be a little bit smarter with his energy management. And um and uh also, you know, you can't sleep on Sage Northcutt's power. Um, but you know, I gotta give him the guy had guts. He was getting wrecked in the beginning, and it was a real gut check. Um, and he's been criticized. Sage's been criticized with that, you know, like because he tapped early with that arm triangle, which is not what it was. You know, we talked about that on the podcast. One of his fights, you know, he got put in an arm triangle and it was like, oh, he tapped early. No, no, no. That was a really tight arm triangle. Just people are not familiar with that variation. And um, this one, he showed a lot of heart. He came back and he also showed a whole lot of power. But the fight of the night, the the one that just you have to like – it was amazing. Was, was it when Brock Lesnar came into the ring and, and no, that's threw people not this down. one. Did he, he didn't come? see him this weekend. He came in the ring again? again. He jumped over the the cage and he just started throwing shit all over the place. But really? No. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, did I, I miss something? WWE is bleeding in. Yeah, no. just, I keep getting confused. You know, what was I, the fight I, of the night? Yeah, it was Nico Price versus Randy Brown. Randy Brown's a New Yorker, so definitely it's nice to see a New Yorker trying to do well. And he had, had started out a nice career in MMA. Um, Took out the guy who took out CM Punk um, uh, in his last fight. And um, then he fought Nico Price. Nico Price, he had – this is really interesting. It's really interesting because, again, MMA is about evolving and, and, and creation, creativity and movement and breaking the rules to reform them and try something new. What you saw was a finish that you've never, ever seen before. I posted it 
on the on the page. And I want everybody to check it out. It's the, he went for a leg entanglement, which looked like he was going to go for a leg lock, but he used his shin to defend himself from strikes, which is called in our academy called the shin spider, right? It's like a spider guard is using your legs to kind of control him and use your shin instead of your feet. Mm-hmm. And it was a hash. It was one shin, and then he adjusted the shin position, and he hooked his foot, and he's underneath the guy, but he hooked his foot on the guy's neck. So he has one leg entangled on the other guy's leg and one foot against the guy's neck. And from there, he's like, hmm, I can hammer fist you here. And he hammer fisted the guy unconscious from the bottom. It's only one of two in the history of the UFC, 25 years, only two knockouts from the bottom. The first one was an up kick. Uh, who was it? It was um, John Fitch, I think. John Fitch did an up kick and knocked the guy out. I mean, there, there's some other up kicks outside of the UFC. You know, Henzo Gracie has a famous one. There are a few others, but but um, but in the in the UFC proper, it's only been one up kick knockout that I that I can remember. Uh, and uh, this one was interesting because the only punch knockout ever from the bottom. There's never been a punch knockout from the bottom. Wow. And and he just held his head there. The guy couldn't move his head. And he hammer fisted, hammer fisted, hammer fisted. And the, guys, hammer fisting does not exist in boxing. Does not exist in Muay Thai. It is a traditional martial arts technique, most commonly associated with karate and some kung fu. So to see the hammer fist, which has always been a, a very u- utilized uh, punch in, in MMA on the ground, just turn the fight. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And actually, I'm not going to spoil the beans, but radical our radical system has something similar. Ooh. Yeah. Something that I drew from my training. So I'm not going to spoil the means until we actually use it. But when we do use it, I'm going to come on and oh, I'm going to show it's it to you. Up yeah, yeah, it's going to come up. Coming. It's going to come up. But we do actually do something similar. Though this is this was different and interesting and I'm going to totally steal it. Hammerfist always looks like a panic fight move. Like you're just – I need to hit you with something. Sometimes like, it is. No, you're right. You're not wrong. But you know, when you're in, ter- when you're the guy's on his all fours and you're kind of controlling his hips and you start yeah. hammer fisting him, it's very common. You know, Anthony Johnson used to do that all the time. Um, also, you mount. Sometimes you're going for punches, but the guy turns over, so you hammer fist him from knee on the belly or mount or back mount. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a legitimate move. It's yeah. it's real legitimate. You can you get a lot of power with it too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but you're right. Sometimes it's like this crazy like. Uh, uh, you know, panic move. But you know who threw it? Was it? I think it was Brian Ortega from the guard. Also threw a really nice hammer fist to a guy trying to pass his guard and really hit him. He didn't knock him out, but he, he threw some. He usually mm-hmm. throws elbows, but I remember one fight he threw a nice hammer fist, and the guy's like, "Oh crap, that hurt." <laughs> <laughs> so usually from the bottom, the guy punches from the bottom. It doesn't. It doesn't affect you because you can't get your hips into it. Yeah. But there's certain things like elbows and hammer fists where certain positions where you're like, "Man, I gotta respect that. That is that is something else." Mm-hmm. And this was. It's fascinating because you've never, ever, ever seen it before. We're living in an exciting time where you just see stuff that you never thought was possible. I'm like, I never thought of that. I mean, as I said, we have our own little symbol thing, but to mm-hmm. hook the head like that, it was really cool. It was really cool. You just could bring a real hammer into the ring. Is that your plan? <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. I just spoiled, I just spoiled everything. Yeah, you see Thunderdome, you know? Chainsaws. Yeah. Chainsaws. Mm-hmm. You remember? remember Beyond Thunderdome? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One man in, two men out. <laughs> <laughs> So it was an interesting uh, weekend. Master some, Blaster some... Control Bar Town. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this has turned into a Mad Max podcast. Thank you to all the people who grew up in the 80s remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need another hero. 
See, Mad Keep Max. going. No, that, that's I'm just wanna, I want to listen. Right. <laughs> Sing it. Go back. Uh, but, you know, again, the whole fight was like about interesting guard work. Um, that was great guard work. And Sage not got, you know, stopped the, the major punishment. Got good. Then Glenn, I told you about that. Rick Glenn, Dennis Bermudez. You know, the guy, he got to win. And, yeah, it could have gone Dennis Bermudez. But what happened was he got taken down a lot. But he didn't get wrecked because he used the guard and he actually hit him from the bottom a few times, scored, got up. So, you know, people say, oh, j- 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 guard doesn't work. Well, this is a great example of the guard, you know, being used in interesting ways and evolving. Um, the Marion Ren- Renault and Kat Zingano fight was another one. Zingano just slammed her over and over again. And, you know, Marion Renault's guard was old school. It was good. But... You know, Zingano was ready for that, and she definitely she definitely got her strikes in. Now, that's not to say that Renault's guard was bad. Nobody's saying that. But it was a little old school, and, she, you know, there's an a, a arms race in MMA now. You know, there's an arm race. I learned something, then somebody else learns how to counter. I learned how to counter that. And, I, and she's, like, on the level one of that arms race, and a lot of fighters are on the level three. Mm. And it seemed like Zingano um, was on the level three. She's like, oh, you're going to do that old school guard? Well, I'm going to stop it this way. And she didn't really have an answer. She kept trying the same thing over again. It was good because she did stop the major punishment. And I'll tell you, this is this is interesting because if this were like a street fight, you know, um, I think Renault would have been, you know, in a, in a better better position because, y- you know, th- th- there's a difference between a street fight and MMA. It's not a huge difference, but the difference is when somebody's assaulting you, if you can stop that damage, you know, and just kind of stifle them. Eventually, they get tired and they can't back off. They back off, they lose. So, so, so obviously, you know, Kat Zingano, a couple times when she's in trouble, she backed off and made the girl stand up. Um, but, you know, it's like interesting. I'm like, yeah, this old school stuff still works. And if this were a self-defense scenario, you know, Marion Renault would have been fine because the girl would have to continue and have to punch a little bit more. And, you know, it's fine. But MMA has evolved a little bit more and like, okay, I, I, I'm up on that other level of technique. So you have to answer that level technique with another higher level. And that's what prize fighting is. It it, it takes the, the level one is street fighting. The level two, three, four is that evolution of a prize fighter versus a prize fighter. And um and definitely great for self-defense too, but um but uh yeah, she needed to update her guard work a little bit more. Um and then and then like I said, the other guy was just fantastic, real interesting. So it was it was an interesting card, you know, um some some wonderful moments. And just the the main card, the main card was just really a snooze fest and boring. <laughs> but the other undercard, and and you know, uh, Khabib's brother, uh, Khabib's cousin, fought on the on the undercard. His Saeed Nurmagomedov, yeah. and he did well. He's it's funny. He's a totally different fighter than his cousin. Uh, he's much more striker, and he he had a really nice striking striking win, and uh, it was a good fight too. So his brother fought. I mean, sorry, his cousin, and his, you know that that family has a whole lot of fighters in it. It seems so uh, interesting, you know. Um, so that that's uh, that's my take on that that the weekend's fights. All right. Yeah, you well, saw some of the highlights. You. Yeah, I mean, just, just the stuff the UFC puts out on YouTube, and um, you know, Sage Northcutt doing jumping jacks and yeah. flipping around and being a weirdo. <laughs> being a weirdo. And Dos Santos looking like a meathead, with getting his arm raised, but still like he got punched in the face a hundred times. You know, um, yeah, they just they just kind of punched each other in the face. I would uh, I would say Evenoff took more damage than Dos Santos. Yeah. Did. Um, and but it wasn't a very, yeah, it wasn't a very tactical match. It was mm-hmm. just like tough guy, tough tough man kind of thing, you know. That's not to say there wasn't technique there. And I don't want to talk down to Dos Santos because I really like him as a person. You know, he's cool. He was a great champion. He's a great representative of the sport. But again, and he's getting better. But 
let's mix up. You know, he likes what he does and he does that. And and it's hard to see. If you looked at a video of him 10 years ago, you'd be like, hmm, that's not so different. And that's mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like we all have to understand the nature of the arms race. And you always have to bring more and more and more stuff to bear, mm-hmm. and 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 that's what makes MMA interesting, and um, and why I like it because it's always going for more efficiencies, more efficient. This doesn't mean the old school stuff doesn't work, mm-hmm. but you have you have to update it too, you know. And then yeah. yeah, you have to update it. So speaking of like the the arms race and updating the mm. the, the techniques, mm. where's the origin of of martial arts? Like, what was the impetus of the martial yeah, no, arts no, world. You know, I mean, people think that's like samurais in the yeah, no. the hills of Japan. So yeah, no, that that's a, that's an awesome, awesome question, and I love to talk about the the history of martial arts, and because it's something I'm fascinated with. And first of all, every single culture in the world has their own martial art, and we don't we don't give credit for that. But is there a definition of martial art? It just means fighting. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Let's define terms, okay. right? That's great because. Um, we tend to say – when we say martial arts, we tend to think of like karate, kung fu, taekwondo, mm-hmm. you know, like Asian martial arts, right? So let's talk about a approach to combat. Every – the Native Americans, Africans, Europeans, um, Middle Eastern, wherever, every – Eskimos, I'm sure. I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure, right? Hawaiian, the, 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 the Polynesians, Romanians, all this. Everybody has some – form of combat. And most of us, funny enough, almost every culture that sociologists have ever come into contact has a grappling art. Not everyone has a striking art. And almost all of them have weapon arts, whether it's like, you know, blow guns of the, you know, the the the, the tribal people in Indonesia, or if it's a sword fighting of the Philippines, knife fighting of the Philippines, or Western, you know, uh, uh, two-handed sword and armor of the knights, or ancient Rome, uh, you know, the gladiators, whatever. There's weapon combat, and there's wrestling and some have boxing too. Mm-hmm. And generally, you'll find that if uh, the, the places that have boxing um, are more the poor areas, which change. You know, boxing was like kind of a poor man's sport because you can't punch a guy in the face when he's wearing armor. <laughs> or <laughs> <That> it hurts. <laughs> right. Or it was a prize fighting sport or a competitive sport where yeah. you're like, okay, we're getting in a ring and nobody has armor. So the origin of boxing is actually in ancient Greece. Uh, and got very, very popular in ancient Rome as well. But what happened was the Romans changed it and made them wear gauntlets. They turned into a blood sport. Shoot. So they have gauntlets with like even metal um, studs on them. Nice. Like, uh, Mad like, Max, we're coming back. No, exactly. That's what, <laughs> I mean, that's what the gladiators were. It was yeah. the ancient Mad Max, you know, and they turned into a, a, um, a, a, a blood sport a little bit. So it went out of favor. But boxing was always like kind of like boxing and the quarterstaff in, in, in ancient Europe were always – and wrestling were always the kind of things that the, the common people studied because – Obviously, they didn't maybe didn't have access to steel, mm-hmm. so the best weapon would be quarter staff, staff or or bow and arrow. And then if they got into hand to hand, it would be wrestling. And if they got distance, they'd try to punch you in the face. And in the 19th century, boxing became re- rehabilitated by the um, nobility or the aristocracy of England and became the rich man's sport. And in in France, it was the fencing, and fen- fencing became kind of a a dueling thing and things like that. So every culture has a martial art, but if you look at the origin of what we think of Asian martial arts. Let's let's just stick there. And we always think of it as like, you know, the Shaolin Temple or this. And every culture had some indigenous training. Every culture. So you can't say, oh, this guy created this and he, you know, because the, the origin of supposedly of jiu-jitsu is like 
you know, Bodhidharma came over, which is a Buddhist priest, came over into Asia and taught Chalin monks how to fight. And then they taught everybody. This is bullshit. That's <laughs> like, there's no, that's just like these stories of legends that there was one, some great guy. And, and we talked in the last podcast that we like to, the a- Asian culture likes to link up to great figures of the past to establish, mm-hmm. um, uh, clout, you know, so there's this, you know, Bodhidharma. You can't get more famous than that guy. The guy who introduced Buddhism to, you know, the, the you know, it, you know, this kind of Zen. Not, he's not the only one, but the guy who introduced that that sort of religious culture to to Asia. It's, you know, big deal, big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So hey, that's our founder. Oh, yeah. oh, really? Okay. Well, that's cool. Then it must be awesome, right? Or or you know, like I told you, we were last podcast we were talking about one Wong Fei Hung. You know, like oh oh my god, famous guy. Okay, he's our founder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. You know, and the same thing. Um, you know, in Japanese martial traditions, there's a lot. Oh, Miyamoto Musashi, famous swordsman. You know, like. Oh, he we lineage from this guy. Yeah, not really. Or the the Takeda clan is the 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 famous sam- Japanese samurai clan. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Aikido are like, yes, we're from the Takeda clan because you know they're super famous. Really, <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, I'm DNA not saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. You know, anybody can say where they're from, right? Yeah. So, but um, one thing that Asian martial arts never accept is the concept of cross pollination. So let's look at let's look at different martial arts like the martial art of karate. Obviously, they they have lineage to to China. They admit it. So there's Chinese martial arts stuff came over. The have you ever heard of the French martial art savat? It was really interesting martial art. It's it's the first international martial art. Um, it was French traders. They went to Asia. And they learned kicking and they combined with boxing and, and French short knife fighting. And so they created this thing for you know hey you're on a boat and you get attacked by pirates. And I'm wearing steel tip shoes, so I'm going to kick you. Sure. And I'm going to kick you with steel tip shoes. Shoes is going to hurt, you know. Yeah. So, um, and and I'm also going to have a short dagger, or I'm going to punch you. So that was the origin of the savat fighting, you know. Mm-hmm. And every martial art, even the Asian martial arts, are par- products of cross pollination. Um, the most one. This is very, very, very controversial, but there's a lot of historical evidence to show this. Is that let's look at ancient Greece? Okay, ancient Greece had this. Um, martial tradition, very martial tradition, which is tied to the Olympics. In our very first podcast, we talked about it. So in the ancient Olympics, there was boxing. Um, and there was also this competitive ring called pancration. Pancration was ancient MMA. That's what it was, except they, um, were naked. <laughs> and the referees had said red metal rods. Yikes. If you cheated, they would smack you with the metal rods. So if you, but it allowed all sorts of illegal stuff, groin, groin, hitting, oh, hair yeah. pulling, um, and no, I don't. There was no biting, but I think you could, if you had the opportunity, you could stick your thumb in the guy's eye or something like that. You could, you, know, you could fish hook, which means you know, grab the guy. Sure. And yeah. So it was really. Thanks intense. for not showing me yeah. uh, on me. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute! I haven't said I wasn't showing. Uh, <laughs> I got I to gotta lose another bet before we do that. And you got to wash your that hands. Was, that was fun choking last night. Yeah, I had a great time too. <laughs> but but it's this ancient martial tradition of pancreation that had these uh, great famous fighters. In our very first podcast, we talked about that. And this was not only a sport, which we walked just like MMA today, it was a very, very popular sport, became part of the Olympics for years and years and years. But it was also a major training tool for Greek warriors. Because what's the best way to train a warrior to be tough? Well, put him in MMA. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's true today. Look at the military. American military is adopting MMA as a training paradigm. So you start out with Gracie combatives, which is the jiu-jitsu part, but then you build up and you and, and they have these combative tournaments now in, in the US Army where the first rounds are just grappling, but the final is basically MMA in your combat dress. So you know you wear the fatigues mm-hmm. like you were, but it's you can punch, you can kick, you can grab the clothing, and it's MMA in in, in that. So the uh, military today is, has shown that that's a really great way to to train fighters for the stress of combat. Obviously, it is not the major goal. The major goal of the military is to you know shoot people and work as a unit, but to develop that toughness and that. You know, I'm going to be able, of one. Yeah, yeah, but the <laughs> yeah, but the the ability to handle yourself. Yeah. You know, there's no better training tool than MMA. And um and the Soviets always knew that. That's why Russian sambo became developed in in Soviet Union, and it became a train tool. Well, you take our spetsnaz, our special forces, teach them sambo. You know, and mm-hmm. and they get tough. Um, so ancient Greece had this pancreation, you know, um thing, and and Alexander the Great, famous, who's Macedonian, who took over Greece and took over half the world, brought. Pancration to the Mid East, so he and wrestling. This is one of the reasons why the Mid East wrestling is huge, and it goes back to Alexander the Great. Everywhere Alexander was, Persia, which is now modern day Iran, is a huge wrestling culture. Yeah. You know, um, because they used to be part of that ancient Hellenic mm-hmm. empire. But you know how far? How far? Do you know how far Alexander the Great's empire spread? Uh, it's pretty far. All the way to India. Wow. Do you know what country has a huge history of indigenous of wrestling? Uh, India. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And there was there was still do you, okay, you know we we have um, some political issues in, in Afghanistan today, but you know Alexander the Great, a lot of his army settled in that area, in the border in India, northern India, Afghanistan. This is why actually a lot of Afghanis have red hair. To this day, huh. they have red hair. Because they have a lineage back to ancient Greece. They have these communities of guys. They're like, hmm, you're Middle East, kind of like Eastern, not, not, you know, not Caucasian, quote unquote, looking, except you have like bright red hair, <laughs> like, like an Irishman, you know? You know, because it goes back genetically sure. back to that, those colonies that, um, there's a Alexandria Eschetes, which is a famous city created by the, the, um, Alexander the Great's, um, army, um, not farther from the border in India. And there was absolutely historical proof. Of cross pollination between um, uh, ancient China, India, and all the way through into the into the the, the Hellenic world. Wow. So, pancreation was I I believe, and a lot of people was exported along this route and became something that everybody's like, oh, we'll do it like this. And I'm I'm not saying the origin of kung fu was pancreation. I'm not saying that there's no proof, but to say that oh, these Chinese guys created it on their own is probably not true either. You know, that you can say that a lot of origin of martial arts has been cross-pollination. And cross-pollination from even in the ancient world from east to west and west to east was absolutely there. The Silk Road has existed for thousands of years. You know, you think that because, hey, I do this wrestling technique like this. Oh, really? That works pretty well. Um, so th- it's interesting. It's very controversial. Very No Asian master that I know even remotely accepts this. But if you look at pottery – that's found in ancient Chinese, you know, archaeological digs, you know, very often includes things from far-flung cultures. You think they, they didn't they didn't exchange military tactics, they didn't they didn't exchange technology, they mm-hmm. didn't exchange hand. There's there's an exchange of military technology for sure. That there's documented evidence of that. Mm-hmm. So you think they didn't say, hey, here's a double leg takedown. 
Not to say that they didn't have it before, but sure. but the concept of fighting, kicking. So I, I believe actually that a lot of uh, Chinese martial art origin can be attributed to an, a, a cross-pollination between whatever indigenous fighting style the Chinese cultures had. Mm-hmm. And by Chinese, I mean the greater Chinese cultures. You know, that's not really good to say there's Han Chinese, there's this, there's the Mongols. Obviously, the Mongols have their indigenous wrestling tradition, um, which is amazing. Um, but when you talk about you look at you look at Chinese kung fu. It's really interesting because while a lot of it is ineffective today, the concept is still mixed martial arts. Meaning there's punching, there's kicking, there's wrestling, and there are joint locks, and not to the refined nature of modern Brazilian jiu jitsu or modern sambo, but. There are joint locks. Mm-hmm. So you have every single element of fighting. Now, what happened? Why did they decrease in effectiveness? That's another story. But to say, to see that there was, there's always, every culture has always had their martial arts. But there is a, a linkage between the ancient Greco Roman world and the ancient Sino, you know, Japanese world. To say there was no linkage is not true. There's mm-hmm. always been a cultural linkage, a cultural exchange. And to think, it doesn't take so much thing to think, whoa, they will exchange martial martial techniques as well. True. And um and even even Thai boxing, you know, uh was influenced uh, this is much later, but Thai boxing was influenced by western boxing, which is why they you know, used the ring eventually and boxing gloves and you know you know there's always cross pollination because they, like any good fighter you see a move that works and you're like huh why don't i do that you know but the concept of mixing punching kicking and grappling has always existed in in chinese martial arts um and and also most people don't realize but it's existed in japanese karate or i should say okinawan karate as well now okinawan karate has um Oriented to the much more to punching, but that there is an element of throwing in every every aspect. You look at this. This is oh, this move here. This is actually a throw. Now, I've never met a karate guy from the tra- traditional element, traditional fighting element, who's only trained karate, who's any good at throwing. I've never <laughs> met them. Now they suck. <laughs> no, no, but it is in the martial art. Uh-huh. So now we're not talking about the martial art. We're talking about how you train the art, and that is totally different. How you train the art will determine how good you are at it. The art that doesn't mean there's, a, there's this art here. Then there's the way you absorb that and get good at it. Mm-hmm. And if the way you absorb that and get good at it is not good, you won't get good at it. And you see that today with fighters today. You know, um, they're – look at the Santo, Dos Santos, blah, blah, even off fight. I think these guys are training in ways where they're not getting as good as they could be. They're not evolving as good. That doesn't mean that they're they're not MMA fighters. They are, but they're training. And and what happens when Dos Santos teaches someone else? He may teach him his not so highly diverse approach to MMA, and then that just goes on. And think about it. Imagine if that was like three thousand mm-hmm. years ago without YouTube or anything like that. You're like, oh, well, my teacher is good at punching. So he's just teaching me punching when we lose this element. Oh, my teacher's good at kicking. We lose this element. But the origins was always free fighting because the the the, the physical world has not changed. <laughs> Gravity still exists. <laughs> you know, we still have two arms and two legs. And if you're in a fight, you're going to use all of those tools. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see. You can see this link. One thing, I, and I posted this a while ago, fascinating. An ancient sculpture in Indonesia 
showed a body triangle, which is considered to be a very modern move. And this sculpture was, you know, like a thousand years old. I, I forgot exactly how old it was, but it's really, really, really old. And he's doing a quote unquote modern technique. Wow. And and I mean it's it's really an ancient sculpture. It's not made up. It's you know, like it sure. really so you're like, whoa, how much did we forget? Uh-huh. So it brings us to the question is like, is there anything new under the sun? You know, and that's a that's a tough tough answer. How many ways can you twist your arm? Right, exactly, <laughs> right, right. You know, like it either bends this way or this way, right? Yeah. This way or this way, right? So, is there any new technique? And the answer is, I don't know. You know, I tend to think there are, but I think what really it is is there's evolutions of what we already have refinement, combinations, combinations. Right, right. The way you put it together evolves yeah. for sure. But some to say that there's never been. You know, a leg lock in the history of human humanity until 1930. You know, uh, uh, well, actually, that's patently false because there was one in jude- judo. But let's say since 1890, it's false mm-hmm. to say that. Um, and, but there's d- detailed historical evidence of leg locks in Japanese jujitsu. But so let's say there was never a leg lock in ancient Greece. Pff, really? I mean, nobody said, "Oh, I can bend the arm this way, so why don't I bend the leg that way?" No. You know, like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I can bend your arm, so why don't I bend your leg? Oh, why don't I bend your neck? Neck crank. Okay, why don't I choke you out? Oh, why don't I, you know, break your spine? Huh. You yeah. know, like, it doesn't have to be rocket scientists to think that. This wasn't written records or videotaped. Right. It, you know? Exactly. That's like, like how there was no, you know, it's just oral tradition. Yeah. And not every fighter, this goes through today, is a good teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and also – and this is what I talk about. We we said this in one podcast that, that that how martial arts can can be destroyed by disasters like the Battle of Okinawa in World War II decimated the karate population or the martial artist population in Okinawa. It just did. So if you were if you were a fighter, you and you believed in your country, which you know I guess most people did back then in, in Japan, and obviously we. You know, the Japanese empire was not doing good things. But, you know, if you were inside the empire, probably you weren't privy to that that knowledge. Mm-hmm. You joined the army and then you got killed. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up, right? You got killed. So so the population – and I know Masters told me this when I was living in Japan. The population of very skilled martial artists went from here – and I'm holding my arms very, very wide – to here because they all got killed in the, the devastation of, of warfare in the, mm-hmm. the 20th century. So then what's left? And uh, there's a there's a great podcast interview with a Chinese martial artist, and he said the same thing happened in China in the 19th century and, and 18th. There's so much turmoil that just lots of people died, and and the remnant the, there was no oral tradition. There's only oral tradition. There's no written tradition. Most people are illiterate, so you're dealing with like guys who can't read, and and you're can, can no over. video. Yeah, you're yeah, just starting over, right, sure. right, right. So 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 things get lost. You know, mm. like maybe maybe people are doing flying triangles in ancient Greece. You know, or whatever. Um, you you know the finish position that Chad Mendes did. It's called the wrestling ride or spiral. That I can take you to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and show you pottery where a guy is doing the exact same move, two thousand five hundred years ago. Exactly, like identical. Like that tells you something right yeah. there. You know, it's fascinating. Um, but triangle choke itself is an interesting difference because there's no record record of a triangle choke on the neck uh, before Oda Tsunetane in the 19th century. So did it exist? I don't know. But there's no record of it. There's also no record of um, certain certain what we call modern moves like the um, 
you know, uh, like the the modern Danaher, uh, uh, what we call the 401 or the saddle, um, which is a, a leg entanglement, a very modern leg entanglement for a heel hook. Heel hook did exist, but that entanglement, mm-hmm. which was developed um, by the Ru- Soviets, the basic entanglement was developed by the Soviets in 1930 and then evolved recently by the John Danaher from the Henzo Gracie team uh, and a, a totally new system on way of controlling and attacking the legs. Beautiful system. Yeah. Um, but that entanglement was created in the 30s by Soviet um, uh, scientists investigating and evolving that move. So the heel hook exists, but that entanglement did not. So um, at least as far as we know. Who knows though? Maybe mm. some ancient, you know, Egyptian was entangling guys' sure. legs like that, and it's not not hard to think. That's trippy. I'm in my yeah. head right now. I'm yeah, thinking yeah. about like what what do we lose? Right, right. No, what, what exactly. martial arts did the Atlanteans practice? You know, it's funny because no, 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 because <laughs> you know this switch stance, like the the, the Africans have more. When we think of martial arts, we don't think of African, but the Africans have this martial art called loot, which is French for fighting. Just French means fighting, but it's all it's different different names all around Africa. But it, it's usually boxing, punching. Some kicking or no kicking and a lot of stand-up wrestling like Greco. So they have a a, a proto-MMA. There's nothing on the ground because the rules say once you get the ground, it's over. Hmm. But depending on the country, right? But they have a way of mixing striking and grappling not unlike what we see Daniel Cormier doing the dirty boxing. So because there's like you grab and you can throw them but you can punch and throw and grab at the same time. And um, so because of the rules and the – competitive arena that those techniques were never lost but in in ancient europe there was a strict division pancration was elite made illegal after the roman empire because christians took over the roman empire and and they're like you know they were not fans of the gradatory arena because you know um (laughs) thrown to the lions you (laughs) know actually oh yeah well as i understand it historically that never happened there was never like christians thrown to the lions it was like propaganda russell crowe did it though i saw him he did he did it Mm -hmm. yeah bad man bad man right Uh yeah no but 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 there were um there were massacres of of christians and things like that right Mm -hmm. so glad gladiator combat was basically banned so pancration or mma pro that proto mma was gone and the only thing you practiced was the individual development, the, mis- the the boxing or the wrestling, as as cultural folk sports. So basically, like fair sports, like mm-hmm. you know, oh, see if you can get a fall. Like you have a fair, and you know, like um, and this is the European tradition. You have like uh, the summer solstice, and then we have like everybody gets together, and all the men see if we can trip you over. Whoever trips falls on. <laughs> no, no, but you know, you know how it is, right? You know, you know, and that it sounds and, stupid. No, but that's folk <laughs> wrestling in America. That's how it got started. Like yeah. you know, you go to a fair and then you wrestle to see who who falls over or loses. You know, it's like a, a game of sumo wrestling. Exactly. Well, that's what Greco-Roman wrestling is. It's sumo wrestling. Yeah. You know, it's just the rules are a little different. No wonder wrestlers are weak. <laughs> no, but who you said know, that? The origin of of American folk wrestling is that yeah. it comes from the festival tradition. You know, it's not it's not like I'm going to be a tough guy. It's the yeah. festival tradition. It's, you know, you're strapping young farmhand and you're like, okay, see if you can take this guy down and put him on his back. Did you ever go to one of those medieval festivals? I have never been. I, I went I, to one. Big really? giant turkey leg and they got the caber toss where they're throwing logs in the air that are like 40 feet long. No kidding. Yeah. No, you know what? Hold Legit. on. When I was like 13, I did go to a Renaissance fair once. Yeah. It was 13. That was a long time ago. So I forgot. But yeah, it was, but it was actually kind of boring. Uh, I think I went to a bad one. I, the one I went to- A lot to, of people uh, making crazy jewelry and- Was it around here? Or? It was upstate New York. Sterling is the big one. Yeah, maybe that's an upstate New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, there was a lot of wenches and I was like 14 <laughs> and they're all wearing like corsets and I'm with my mom and I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm 14 and there's a lot of cleavage hanging around. I need to go home. Um, but back to the fighting. So yeah. yes, they would. They, that's where the wrestling kind of evolved I into. Just picture that. Don't you know, picture. I, I was there too. You know, you're, you're a little too much. What day was and, that? <laughs> I was a Tuesday for me. Was it? A, uh, I was a. I was a Sunday. I remember oh, my yeah. friend Tom who was older and took me there. He's like, let's go to the Renaissance Fair. It's fun. And uh, for some reason, it was an overcast day. It was a little boring. Yeah. And uh, then we left and we had Japanese food. Oh, yeah. Full circle. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I want to go to the, that, the, yeah. the, um, the, dine, the food one. Medieval times. Medieval times. There's one in New Jersey. Let's go. <laughs> I'll totally go. <laughs> Do you ever see Cable Guy? Yeah. <laughs> Best that's, scene. Best scene. That's a terrible movie, but it's a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> I derailed the whole conversation. We were no. talking about best fairs and uh, and uh, wrestling. Wrestling, and right, right, right. But but wrestling there. comes out of the folk tradition okay. and in Europe, and and because it was like, oh, these are rules. The submission wrestling was lost, mm-hmm. and the combination of boxing to wrestling was lost. It was lost, but it existed. Um, who knows what we lost? Um, maybe there was a triangle choke guy in ancient Greece. Who knows? Um, but definitely there's evolution like you saw in this fight, evolution of positions. So the the shin shin position that the um that Nico Price had is a typical called half shin spider, very old position to protect yourself from strikes. He entangled his leg to get a leg lock. As I said, since the you know, Japanese judo, leg entanglement, basic leg entanglement is something that has been part of, you know, judo and jiu-jitsu tradition forever. Mm-hmm. He put the two together and then uh, then turned it into a punch to the guy's face, a hammer for his face. Now that is new. So two old techniques combined and evolved in a different way. That's new. And that that's definitely happens. You know, like there's better ways to punch. The The technique of punching evolved more in the 20th century with the growth of Western boxing as a, as a sport than it ever existed before. You know, punch, the technique of how to use your hips, how to generate power, how to do footwork, you know, and Ali himself, nobody said the cross and the jab didn't exist. But Muhammad Ali, first Sugar Ray Robinson, then Muhammad Ali changed the way people boxed. You know, they just changed the way people boxed and boxed better. And then, and then, and the coach is following that. And then you have Sanchai in Muay Thai changing the way, and Semart, who we had at a seminar in my academy, changing the way people fight in Muay Thai. And the Gracies changing the way people grappled. So the techniques always existed. And people get on the, oh, the Gracies never created those techniques. Yeah, they existed. But they created more evolved versions of them, Mm -hmm. more refined versions. So the refinement is true. So, Absolutely, that's the case. So if you look at someone who did a punch in, you know, 1850 and you look at, you know, fighting Joe Sullivan, you know, 189, you know, like John Sullivan fighting. And then you look at, you know, Lomachenko today, like, this is like totally mm-hmm. different. So, but they're doing the same moves. Yeah. They're just evolved them. But oh, punching, jab, cross, and a hook have existed since human time immemorial, mm-hmm. you know, arm bar. There's arm bars in every martial art, even even karate, taekwondo, every well, – yeah. the way Gracie Jiu-Jitsu focuses on certain leverages and evolves them and sets them up differently mm-hmm. and judo too. Um, and there's a famous judo guy named Yatskevich who developed the rolling arm bar. Nobody did the rolling arm bar before Yatskevich. This didn't exist. It did not exist. Now, it's a huge part of judo. It's one of the major attacks, the rolling arm bar. And the Mendes brothers, which are very famous jiu-jitsu guys, they are masters of it. They take them from everywhere and they've evolved that technique even further. Mm-hmm. But that evolution of an armbar, that setup is 100% new. 
But the armbar's not new. The armbar's old. Yeah. So, but the question is, what is new? What is new? Maybe there was some guy doing the rolling armbar back in, you know, you know, the sixth century BC. There's so many things that kind of I mean, we've talked about this before about the evolution of humans. Yeah. Just the the biology. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. And the physicality, nutrition, and longevity of lifespan. So many things go into play. I, my one favorite favorite videos is where they compare like the 1935 Olympics versus the 2016 Olympics. Yeah. And somebody does like a – they do a flip or whatever and they won a gold in the 1930s. And then they do a huge, huge like routine and they get a bronze. Right, right, right. Or they don't win anything at all. Anything at all. At all. Right, it's right. Like the the fastest evolved. runner of – of 1920 wouldn't even make the top 50 today, yeah. you know? Uh, so, but they're still running. Yes. Yeah. So it's the same flip. It's just the guy it's does the it better, they right? Just do yeah. It a little yeah. bit differently. And um, I'm, so <sighs> that's a question is okay, the flip existed, but now you're training it better and better and better and better, and more refined yeah. and more scientific. And definitely the scientific revolution. Uh, this is one reason why the Gracies are so good and the judo guys are so good, is be, and the Sambo. Scientists, they said, okay, we're going to take the Western scientific method, not the Asian, my teacher taught me this, so I will do this, but the Western scientific method and be okay with removing things that were not as efficient and replacing them with more efficient approaches. So, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a karate class. Like they go like this, one hand on the hip and they punch like this Mm -hmm. and that's to teach rotation. This is not a fighting move. You should never hold your hand by your hip. So what I'm doing in the people can't see the video is if you've ever seen a kid's karate class, one person, you hold your right hand by your hip, your left hand is punching out and you switch hip, punch, hip, punch. That is not. Is that why the guy on the train laughed at me when I tried to fight him like that? (laughs) No, I didn't ever. But um, that is a drill to teach you how to turn your hips. Mm -hmm. Now, guess what? Boxing has a better drill where you just focus on your shoulders and turn your feet. So there's a better way to drill that. Now it's the same punch, but they're teaching you how to apply it better. We're here, boom, 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 moving your hips, focusing on your toe and your footwork and your and how you're drilling your toe into the floor and mm-hmm. pivoting on your toe. I was taught to, yeah. pre- to pretend I'm putting out a cigarette. Exactly, right. Exactly. That's Doesn't what I'm really talking work about. work in a kid's class, though. <laughs> Pretend you're hey putting on a cigarette, hey kids. Everybody smokes cigarettes, throw it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I just, I just had that exact thing where I'm talking to like, I'm like, hey, you ever put out a cigarette? The guy's like, no, I don't smoke. I don't hang around smokers. I'm like, uh, okay. You ever kill a spider uh, and then oh, really right, want gonna, Oh, that's good. I'm going to use that one. You ever smush a bug? Yeah. But probably he's like some, you know, he's Jane a, or yeah, something. Or no, no, uh, you know, Janes, they can't kill insects there. It's a religion from India. That's a religion? Yeah, you don't know. Jane, Jane? Jainism, yes. It's a, it's a, uh, not so dissimilar. They're going to get mad at me, but not so dissimilar from the, the Hindu tradition. I, I'm, I don't know the details, but, uh, Never but heard it, of it. It, they're vegan. They don't believe in, 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 uh, killing any, any life. So they're, you know, strict vegetarians. And, Do they uh, not shower? No, I, I don't. I, they shower, yes. Because the bacteria is alive, and they kill the bacteria. I don't. I don't think they go that far. Bacteria is mm, okay. Right. Yeah, but I, I actually there was an Indian restaurant near where I used to live, and they were it was run by Jane's. It was totally one hundred percent vegetarian, Ugh. and um, really wonderful people, and very peaceful, pacifist oriented. Just sure. great culture, great, 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 great thing. So I've don't, never heard of that though. The That's Jainism, interesting. Yes, it's a very old religion, extremely old. Um, and uh, they they're one hundred percent. They will not kill even an insect if an insect is biting them. They will allow it to bite them. Even um, if it kills them. You know, if the insect had malaria, I guess it would. I guess it would, yeah. I mean, I think they're allowed to brush it off, but they're not allowed <laughs> to kill it. But they, they also, I, I, you know what? I don't know, but I, I, I think somebody had told me 
this is you know that they wear certain things to, to stop that from the insect from getting to them in the first place, kind of thing. Like this is a complicated uh, yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah. Please send all uh, <laughs> you know, but hate I, mail I, you to know, it. You know, I, have, I have a friend. I have a friend who is a uh, he's a scholar uh, on Indian religions. You should have him in and we'll talk about that. But because I, I I am not qualified to speak on this. I just had a friend who was a Jain. So <laughs> I am, I'm in, intensely in, in, yeah. curious yeah, about should, Indian religions. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, and 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 definitely. Um, it's interesting because some of the the wonderful meditative knowledge that that developed in 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 those traditions are applicable to the pre peak performance moments we have today. So how to control breathing? I was telling one of my students recently, the breath control you know has a tremendous amount of control over your your mental state, mm-hmm. and um, some of the pranayama breathing, ancient Indian breathing, is is very important to to improve your performance. And everybody understands that. Just like when you want to punch, you can't hold your breath. You will never punch properly or, or do anything properly. You know, you have to breathe out. So you make that noise when you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why Japanese fighters, karate fighters, kiai, yeah. um, for many reasons, but also and Thai fighters go. Tsa, tsa, you know, um, at, when you breathe out, you 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 are um, more efficient in your movement, mm-hmm. uh, and and and. Um, if you look at Latin, they understand this. That the word exhale has obviously come from the Latin root. Execute. Now, not execute a person, but execute something, to do something. The reason the roots are the same is because there's a, there's a, there's a commonality. Execute, exhale. You can't do anything if you hold your breath. <laughs> you can't – you try, try and try move holding your breath. You can't do anything, yeah. right? So the idea of executing a movement, doing a movement – has to involve exhale going outwards, and theoretically, the language reflects that understanding. So, uh, so um, that's why those words sound the same. Interesting. Yeah. There's the, the the podcast breathing technique. Try not to breathe into the microphone. All right, we're not going to do it because people will turn. That's it off. my Vader impression. You like it? <laughs> I always, whenever somebody comes in here, they're new and like, here's how you breathe when you're doing a podcast. Move away from you know the whole whole thing. Because you the, never taught me that. Oh, you're a professional. You know how to do it. I, I don't know. Well, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Maybe I'm just a quick, uh, quick study. You're good but, at breathing. You you've are done, a great. You've co-host. done good, good breathing over the last. Do you want to hear my Darth Vader impression again? Uh, yeah, I kind of talked over it. Like, <laughs> that's pretty good, right? That's Darth Vader <laughs> smoking Paul Malt. <laughs> Put out the cigarette, Darth. <laughs> <laughs> you are my father, son. I'm your father. I messed it up. Sorry. Somebody's my dad. <laughs> Somebody. Where are you, dad? Uh, <laughs> Suddenly, this podcast really derailed. It went from sort of high level intellectual conversation. That's how it always happens. It's I good. ruin it's everything. Good. No, no, no. It's a it's a good balance. You know? Well, we've reached the end of our time. We've reached the end of our time we've together. Reached our end of our time. Yeah. We don't get to see each other for another week. Well, but it's it's interesting. Um, just to finish up, you know, to. Look at the cross-pollination. There's always been cross-pollination of martial arts. And to say that there's this ancient tradition from this famous person in China or Japan is not true. There's always been Mm cross-pollination. And that's what makes us great. And, you know, that's what I love to see in MMA is what Chad Mendes did, which was crossing over the styles. And Bruce Lee always said, what I'm trying to do is to dissolve – uh, the, 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 the erase the divisions between styles. And, you know, I think that's what every martial arts in time immemorial did. We try to erase, but then, you know, over time things got forgotten or not taught. Or like I said, many of the high level practitioners were killed. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, it's an interesting thing. And, and there's a great book, um, about pancreation. I'll bring it in. Um, we can talk about it more, but it actually, um, 
I'll post it, but it actually has uh, pictures of from all over the the Greco-Roman world, from Persia, Greece, uh, uh, ancient ancient Egypt, everywhere, showing all the techniques of modern, pretty much modern MA. So dig, double leg takedown, single leg takedown, arm locks. And it's literally you see the engravings on stone, and they're doing. It. There's no doubt this is what they're doing. It, wow. It's a it's a fascinating book. Um, um, I you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it in and show it to you. We can continue this conversation. I didn't bring it in today, but um, Pancration is a it's a very very interesting martial art. It and is very and, uh, and and um, there's some people actually trying to um, recreate it that that concept. The, the, with pants, please. Yeah, <laughs> with pants. Yes, please um, for the children. Uh, I'm really glad that you said that book has pictures because I don't know how to read. Uh, it is just for you. <laughs> so um, real quick before we, we wrap up, uh, Brendan Schaub and Dana White had a little argument on Twitter. And Brendan Schaub's podcast has done increasingly much better. So Dana White, well, what was uh, I hate you. Uh, Brendan Schaub was uh, giving some advice to some fighter on Twitter. And then Dana White said, don't take the advice from guy, some guy that went six and five in UFC. <laughs> Um, the only thing he can teach you how to do is to get KO'd. Um, oh, oh can, can I interrupt? Please. The, the book is The Martial Arts of Ancient Greece. Martial Arts of Ancient Greece. And the author is Costas Dervenis. Costas Dervenis. Yes. And uh, it's really, really good book. Um, and it was just fascinating. And and just to see the, the ancient, you can see almost every modern technique uh, ref- that he had, he and he really like gets a oh this is a freeze from ancient Egypt uh, you know 250 BC and they're doing a rear naked choke very cool you know or an armbar or whatever it's, yeah. it's a fantastic book I need you to say two negative things before we end Sorry. the show oh yeah uh, I did I interrupted to, uh, I interrupted I need uh, you to say one negative thing about Dana White I don't I don't really have anything about, to say bad about Dana White um, maybe you should pay the fighters a little bit more that's <laughs> um, you know what he's it's tough. This One negative thing. thing, Renee. Come on. You know what? Um, I think this is this is the thing. I don't think it's him. I think it's the new owners. They are embracing WWE sideshow tactics more than they used to, and uh, and he is he's definitely like okay, I'm a company man and on board with that. And uh, you know, having Brock Lesnar. Uh, fight or having you know a Conor McGregor being a poster child, having this it, it, it does a disservice to 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 the, to the martial art tradition. Um, yes, drama sells, mm-hmm. but it, it has trying to, to create drama right now. Yeah, right. But Dana, that, that, White, you're a you're a bald headed nitwit that doesn't know how to run a business. No, he, Come he, on he, the podcast. He definitely he knows, he how, definitely to knows how to run a business. Yeah. and uh, he you know single handedly rescued the UFC from He did a great yeah, job. Amazing, amazing. But he's a he's a dork. And I need you to say something negative and positive about Damian Maya. <laughs> Damian Maya, one of the best sport grapplers to ever live mm-hmm. and also a great human being. Mm-hmm. Um needs to get his hips in on a shot. But you know what? You know what? I was sparring on Saturday and I didn't get my hips in on my shot. And I'm like, mother fr- You are the, the nicest thing. person no, in the I world. No, I did the same thing. I did that and I'm like, oh, that's what happened. I didn't get my hips in. I was training with my friend MRC and I did a shot. I didn't get my hips in and I freaking failed. And I'm like, oh. I asked Grenade to say two negative things. No, I know I'm not going to get on the, single I'm not get in the Dan- Damian Maya train. We're just know. trying to neg him into coming <laughs> in the show. Um, <laughs> He's awesome. He just needs to get his hips in on the shot and evolve more. All right. But Stop being day. a jerk, Damian Maya. Nope. <laughs> get your shit together. Um, <laughs> Conor McGregor's still not in jail. Update on that. Um, and we're going to see you next week. 
We're yeah. trying to get uh, a guest in the, the studio. Yeah, talk about the history of um, Muay Thai and Luta Livre in Brazil. Very cool. Very cool. So mm-hmm. please uh, rate, subscribe, share, and uh, that's all you got to do. Do it for us. Uh, and then uh, your friend's podcast, I want to plug that again. The Must Triumph. Must Triumph, yes. I get get him on the phone. Is he ever available during this time of day? I don't know. He's usually training. Oh, now, he trains with Cobrinha, which is a jiu-jitsu uh, coach in um, in L.A., and he does afternoon classes. There. He put you on his podcast. Have you uh, called him? No, no. He, you know, he does, doesn't have people on his podcast. He does uh, the more inspiration. He has a new one on Theodore Roosevelt, which is great. Big really boxer. Good. And and jiu-jitsu fighter. And first fight, American uh, judo black belt. Actually, wrote even posthumously. But he fought cougars in the hills of California. You mean old ladies who are cute? No, no. <laughs> See, I got a joke. You got me. I got <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.